I'm Kathleen Durkin of Columbia University's Zuckerman Institute. And I'm Devin Powell of the Zuckerman Institute. Welcome to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus, a podcast that follows the lives of brain scientists during the ongoing pandemic. Today, we're bringing you our back to school episode. That means it's time to sharpen your pencils, get out your three ring binders, and these days, make sure Zoom is installed correctly. Today, we're going to meet some graduate students who are preparing to start their neuroscience careers. And we're gonna talk to the professors, figuring out how to train this next generation of neuroscientists during these difficult times. So why would anyone decide to go to grad school in the country's densest city in the middle of a pandemic? It starts, of course, with a love of science. And for at least one incoming grad student, that scientific passion has been shaped by the pandemic itself. So hi, I'm Brianna McRae, and I recently graduated this past May from MIT with a major in brain and cognitive sciences and a minor in computer science. For my PhD in neurobiology and behavior at Columbia, I'm interested in uh, primarily systems neuroscience because that's where my background lies. But I'm also really excited about exploring other subfields, namely human cognition. So this is actually a sentiment that I think came out of quarantine, just really reflecting on the human experience and how we're all in different situations. And I know the pandemic affects different people differently, but to some degree we are experiencing similar things in terms of maybe like feelings of isolation or like missing people that we can't see or missing milestones like graduation or prom or (laughs) other things like that. And so definitely in reflecting about that aspect of the last few months, I've kind of fallen back to what first made me interested in neuroscience, which is studying human behavior and the things that we take for granted every day, like our emotions or our ability to shift our attention, things like that. For jazz musician and incoming grad student Rachel Fraser, the Zuckerman Institute seemed like the perfect place to explore her two passions, neuroscience and music. She initially learned about the Institute by reading an article written by principal investigator Michael Shadlin. So I started being interested in music's ability to heal people when I was a junior in high school. I did a research project on music therapy, and so I became more interested in learning about the neuroscience behind it so that I could prove the significance of it to a scientific community so that there can be more resources for music therapists and for this very real healing process that goes on. And then I was applying to grad school and I looked up, you know, music in the brain. And then Columbia, like a paper from um, Michael Shadlin was like one of the first things that like came up. (laughs) So I looked up that um, and then I found the Jazz Artist Residency Program. And then at the interview, I was talking to Michael Shadlin and I was telling him about my interests in brain and music and healing and all that and he was like that sounds really cool but it's not necessarily like clinically like proven (laughs) um and I was like not yet so hopefully (laughs) hopefully I can do something there after her interview Rachel got waitlisted getting off that waitlist was a particularly joyous moment in these difficult times yeah amidst everything and all of the insanity I was just 
so happy. I was just so, oh my gosh, overjoyed. And just immediately was like, I'm accepting, I'm accepting. Like, there's no, there's no thought. So it seems like the students are in. Now, figuring out how to train them, that's the job of faculty, including Darcy Kelly and Wes Gruber, co-directors of the Columbia University doctoral program in neurobiology and behavior. We sat down with them to ask what an ordinary year usually looks like for first-year students and how COVID has changed that. They would arrive in early August to the campus and get settled with their roommates. They would start around mid-August with a, a boot camp where they'd get together and learn about some of the uh, techniques and be able to uh, interact with investigators, interact with each other, see a little bit of New York. Um, after the boot camp, they would begin courses and they have three um, short internships or rotations in different labs of their choosing. And they're learning uh, about um, the kinds of techniques that the lab uses. They're getting instruction from lab members uh, about those techniques. And that's a, a really, really important part of the first year are those research rotations. So at the end of the first year, they can choose a lab uh, to join. Move in, class bonding, coursework, and research rotations. It's a lot to coordinate. All of this was made extra complicated by COVID. It's a very dynamic environment that we're trying to make uh, very consequential decisions for, for our incoming students. We had just recruited them to, uh, to the neuro program. They had just made their decisions around the time of the pandemic. And New York was, of course, the epicenter at that point. Um, so we had many discussions with the incoming students about you know, what New York looked like, you know, whether they were going to be safe coming here, what the plans for Columbia were for dealing with the pandemic and New York City broadly for dealing with the pandemic. The evolving situation requires an agile approach, Darcy Kelly told us. It's taken a lot of work and it's been sort of, how can I say, distressing at times. You know, the uncertainty has been difficult. I think what we've learned is that you have to be flexible, right? Because in fact, nobody can know what's going to happen. So we've set everything up so that if circumstances change, we can pivot. To minimize risk, Darcy and Wes made the decision to move all classes online to Zoom and to do the same for the boot camp that traditionally takes place in person. For Darcy, this has felt like figuring out how to communicate with people living on Mars. I've been thinking of this uh, whole experience as something like what we might go through if we had a colony on Mars, <laughs> okay? So if we had a colony on Mars and we were gonna offer, you know, good education for everybody and bond, you know, to our Mars colony, us Earthlings and so forth and so on, what we would have is Zoom. The program already had some experience doing Zoom classes at the end of the previous academic year, so that has helped. But more difficult has been figuring out how to do those rotations. The stints students usually spend doing research in different laboratories. The biggest challenge is the in-person experience in the lab. These are your students, right? You worry about their health and their welfare. So what we've done is, and I've been talking to the incoming students about this, I asked them who they're interested in, and the labs have very generously offered to host them at their weekly lab meetings. Everybody has Zoom weekly lab meetings so that they can get a feel for what the lab is about. They'll be starting rotations in the fall. They'll be starting uh, courses online at the same time. And, and, uh, and our point is to try and make the rotation process as normal as possible for them. 
in planning this experience, Darcy and Wes had to consider not only the safety of their students, but also immigration difficulties. Columbia is, of course, this is true for the United States as a whole, a beacon for graduate education across the world. And we have students coming in from countries where the consulates have been closed. For a while, we feared that, the, uh, that some of our incoming students were not going to be able to, um, to come into the, into the country. So let's meet Francisco Sacadura, who is an incoming student from Portugal. And uh, let's hear his story. I was in London when the pandemic started. It was about the same time as things were closing that we had to make a decision on grad school. I think it was the 14th of April. The situation was not great in New York at the time, but uh, I've been working on motor control and on the cerebellum. And I know uh, the Zuckerman specifically has a very strong department in motor control. So I really, I already knew I wanted to come to Colombia. Right now, the three labs I'm thinking of rotating with are, are Mark Scherzland, uh, Recosta, and Nate Soto. In the beginning of June, uh, I came to Portugal. Until almost the end of July, all the embassies were closed. So the situation was pretty uncertain whether we were going to, to be able to come until the spring. The start was everything very confusing and uncertain, but I, I got a visa this week. And now I'm happy because New York is like doing pretty great with the, with the pandemic. Graduate school isn't just classes and research. The social experience also has a profound effect on shaping the careers of scientists. That's where the second-year students have stepped in. They're worried about the lack of in-person contact these days, so they've gotten creative. Olivia Lofaro, who started graduate school last year, describes how she and her classmates have worked to help glue together the incoming cohort of students. We've been trying to basically open the lines of communication as much as possible. We started a Slack group message with both of our cohorts together. We have planned a lot of Zoom events. We also paired every member of the incoming cohort up with a buddy in the second year cohort. Peer support is always really important. I think that especially Historically, scientists sort of had this reputation as being like reclusive people who are just locked away in a lab, and that's not good for your mental health or for your um, ingenuity and creativity and things like that. So I know neuroscience is a competitive field, but I think it's really, really important to feel like you have people rooting for you and in your corner. That's made all of us better scientists. Thanks for listening to Lab in the Time of Coronavirus. Take a look at the show notes for links to all of the things we discussed. You can find all of our episodes at zuckermaninstitute.columbia.edu or on iTunes. Take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. That makes it easier for other people to find us. And special thanks to Rui Costa, Kelly Ramol, everyone who sat down with us for this episode and the entire Zuckerman team. The music was provided by Miguel Zanon, jazz artist-in-residence at the Zuckerman Institute. And if you have any thoughts, if you have any questions, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ZuckermanBrain. But before we go, Kathleen, I think you had one last question for our researchers today. What's the first thing you plan to do post-pandemic? Francisco wants to meet his fellow students in person. I think the first thing uh, would be maybe to have a social with the first year and second year students. 
Rachel, of course, wants to go to a jazz club. New York is such a great place for that, and it's really sad that all of the music has like been put on hold. Olivia misses martial arts. That's so much close contact with strangers that it's just, it's going to be the absolute last thing to open up. But I do miss it a lot. Brianna longs to dance. I think the first thing I would do is go dance. Darcy misses her family. I am going to spend time with my children and grandchildren. And Wes wants to properly celebrate some of his past and present lab members. So, you know, labs right now are at 50% capacity. And during the pandemic, several people left the lab and several people joined as well. So we need to have a 100% capacity lab party uh, to fix this problem.